And so it's with great excitement and anticipation that I get to introduce to you today our guest speaker. Can we please give a warm welcome, and you may be seated by the way, for Chris Moore. Am I on? Oh, hey, that sounds good. Church, you look good today. Tap your neighbor, say, you look good. Tap your neighbor. Um, I'm honored to be here. Like, um, like Autumn said, my name's Chris Moore. I serve on staff at Pure Heart Church under Pastor Dan Stephan. He's been my pastor uh, for the last seven years, like a father figure to me. I'm honored that he allows me to do this. Uh, have you, is there anybody in here who's been in this church longer than 10 years? If that's you, could you just stand up really quickly? Can we just honor all of these people who've been so faithful? Come on, can we give it up for them? Hey, I want to say, I always want to look you all in the eyes really quickly and say, I'm glad to be at a Bible-believing church in a culture that has drifted so far away from the things of God. I want to tell you, it's your faithfulness in this body that will continue to make this a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching, full gospel, spirit-filled, life-giving church. Thank you for being that. And, And can we give it up one more time for those who've been faithful to this church? And I love being here. I love the Bible. We're going to be talking lots about the Bible. And uh, we're going to be talking out of Matthew chapter 25. But I also want to honor Pastor Joe Skeens. He's the other bald guy. A lot skinnier than me. And uh, he's the senior pastor here. If you're a first-time guest, this is my first time here. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be gone next week. So if you have any issues about the sermon, come back. Like, please don't offended and leave here today. I'm going to step on some toes today, but it's okay. You can get a pedicure next week. It's all going to be good. Um, Do you guys remember when you got the keys to your first car? Anybody remember that feeling? And uh, I got the keys, I remember, to a 1990 Subaru Legacy Purple. Oh, I love that car. It didn't matter that it was 14 years old. Listen, in Montana, I got my driver's license when I was 14. Does that scare anyone? Have you seen a 14-year-old recently? They are tiny. I got my driver's license when I was 14, and I was driving, and as soon as I got the keys to that car, it was like the whole world opened up before me. You know that freedom feeling you get? I grew up in rural Montana and uh, in a town of about 5,000, but when I got those keys, it was like, my eyes opened and I looked around and I said to myself, wow, I can go anywhere. And I started driving around this tiny little rural town. And I, like my first day, I traveled the entire town. But I remember getting the keys. It was like that moment in Aladdin when they jump on the magic carpet ride. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I can show you the world. That was how I felt when I got the keys to that Subaru Legacy Purple. Now, today... I want to give you the keys to something that will give you even more great, greater freedom than having a car. Today, I want to give you keys and principles to see God move in your family, your work, your business, your relationships. Come on, how many people here believe that there's no replacing the favor of God on your life? There's no replacing having God's hand on your business, God's blessing in your marriage. There's no self-help book. There's no replacement to having Jesus and the Holy Spirit on your side. So today I want to help you and I want to bless you with, a, with, with this. Uh, I want to read out of Matthew chapter 25. I want to set this up and then I'll ask a question. Uh, but Matthew 25 is one of the most anti-millennial 
verses, chapters in the entire Bible. I say anti-millennial because in this passage of scripture, not everyone gets a trophy. Y'all remember when trophies meant something? Not everyone got a trophy. See, there are three parables Jesus tells back to back to back. Now, these three parables are important because the first parable is about the parable of the 10 virgins and how some were ready for his return and some weren't and some missed out. See, anti-millennial. The second portion of scripture is the one we're going to look at today. It's a parable of the talents or the three servants. And so some are faithful and some are not. So once again, there's a separation. And then the last one is the parable of the sheeps and the goats. So you can go back and read all of these yourself. But I want to ask you a question. I want to propose this thought. I want every one of us to walk out of here being able to say this today. I want us all to be able to say this. I am someone God trusts. See, God loves everyone, but he don't trust everyone. See, you know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the He gave his only son. But whosoever would believe in him would not die, but would have everlasting life. God loves everyone. I love that. But he don't trust everyone. And let me break it down a little bit further. I got family. I'm a little ghetto sometimes. You got anybody here who grew up in, a, in like a Walmart situation? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I grew up, in kind of a ghetto situation. And so let me make it really plain for you. I got family I love, but I ain't trusting them. Y'all, t- am I preaching to anybody here? You got some family you love, but there ain't no way you're gonna trust them. And so today I wanna help you become a person God trusts. So sit around your table, talk about this. The question today, I want you to just talk about this for a minute. What does it mean to be a person God trusts? We're going to put a timer up here. I'm going to come right back in a couple minutes. 20 seconds, guys, 20 seconds. We're going to be getting back into this. Hopefully it's become fruitful, challenging. This is going to be good. We got a word here today. Okay, well, I'm just going to jump right back into the sermon. That was kind of like a commercial break. That was fun, though, but like like a good commercial, like the ones you see nowadays, not the ones you saw 20 years ago. Um, So I want to just dive in. I want you guys, I'm going to leave you guys with a little bit of homework this week. I'd love for you to go back and read all of Matthew chapter 25. I wish I had a couple hours to unpack every single verse. There's so much gold, but for the sake of time here today, I'm going to key in on a few verses. I'm going to tell a little bit of this story. So the, the parable we're looking at today is known as the parable of the talents. Now, some of us, when we hear the word talent, we think of giftings and, you know, ability, which isn't a bad application of the scripture. It just isn't the original application. See, a talent was a portion of money. It was a bag of gold. Now, with modern conversion rates, it's hard to say how much a talent was, but it's around $30,000. So the master is about to go on a long vacation. He's about to go to a faraway land, probably Puerto Panasco or San Diego. I don't know where you guys go on vacation, but the master's headed on vacation. And he's going to leave his servants with certain allotments of money. So what he does is servant one walks up, 
He says, okay, I'm going to give you one talent, 30,000. He hands a second servant two. He says, here is, here is, here's, you know, here's 60,000. And then he says, okay, the last servant, he says, here is five talents. Here's 150,000. And then he heads away to this far away land. Now the servant who has five immediately gets to work. That's what the scripture says. Go back and read it for yourself. It says immediately he gets to work. He does Dave Ramsey. He gets out of consumer debt. He does all the things he knows he's got to do so that he can take that five and multiply it. So the man, the servant with five talents turns it into five more. Now he's got how many? 10. Okay. So y'all did some math. Y'all know math. Okay. Then, then the, the, the servant who was given two does this very, something very similar. Gets, cuts up those credit cards, you know, bests in some real estate. He goes from two, he turns it into two more. Then he's got how much? Okay, now let's look. The servant who was given one. I want to pull up the scripture and says what the servant with one did. It says this in verse 18. It says, but he who had received one went and dug in the Oh, y'all got it. Let's try this one more time. But he who had received one went and dug in the This is really worth noting. We're going to come back to this because this is key. It says this, and he hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the master comes back to square up. He wants to see how his servants did when he trusted them and what they did when he trusted them. The servant with five was like, hey, I've got five more. I invested in some cryptocurrency. I hope it's okay. It's in Dogecoin. The master says, that's okay. Perfect. Money's money. Okay. He doubles his money. Then the servant with two says, hey, I had two. Now I've got two more. Here, I doubled it. And the master says the same thing to both servants. Now, I think it's important because I preached this recently and, and, the, and the person in the tech booth said, hey, you, you read the same verse twice. And I said, no, he, the verse says the same thing twice. And the reason why is because God wants us to know what is being said here. This is how the master who is God in this scripture, will respond to his servants whom he trusts and those who are found trustworthy. Right here it says this, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a? I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. The master says this to the servant who had two and the servant who had five. And the reason why is it's not based on how much or how big, but based on how faithful the servants were. Now, I want to slide down and read a little bit about what the master says to the, the man, the servant with one. This is what it says to him. He says this, take the money. Oh, that's not very millennial of us. The master says, take the money from the man and give it to the man with 10 talents. For the man who uses well what he has been given shall be given more and he shall have an abundance. But from whom the man is unfaithful, even what little responsibility he has shall be taken from him. That's heavy. I can get a lot of amens right there. And the reason why is because this is really hard to hear. It's hard for us to hear that God will take away from those who are not faithful and give to those who are faithful. But today I want you to walk out of here being a person 
God trusts. See, what I'm about to give you is the keys to leveling up your business, your relationships, your work life, your, your family life, leveling up every part of your life because this principle applies. It might be specifically about money, but it's not exclusively about money. This is your entire life because if you can be found faithful with a few things, you can be found faithful with many. Can I get an amen in the church? I want to get to my points today. Point number one is this, stay in your lane. Hit your neighbor, say, stay in your lane. Give him a good punch. Okay. Some of y'all are like, I'm a first-time guest here. Why are there people punching me? Um, <laughs> uh, I think if it was a modern day and we saw someone got five and we got one. Have you ever seen what people at your work get paid? And you're like, they get paid what? They barely do anything. You know what I'm saying? See, what happens here is that this is God's allotment. It's not ours. Now, when you compare and compete, you're always going to live in defeat. So living in the constant comparison world of they're on these vacations, they're on these trips, they're getting paid this, they got this house, they got this, their family looks like that. I'm just telling you, it's a dangerous trap. So touch your neighbor and say, stay in your lane. So whether you got one, whether you got two, whether you got five, I want to encourage you, focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have, because you're not God. God decides what people got. So here we go. Point number two, start with what you got. So everyone say start. Now, the key operative here is start. The servant who had five, the scripture says immediately he goes and does Dave Ramsey. It doesn't say that. Go and read it for yourself. But he says immediately he gets to work with what God had given him. Now, the reason why I say the word start is a lot of people today, Christians today, are afraid to start. There's a lot of fear of how you will look, if it'll fail, if it'll be good. Will you look dumb? Will it be like, you know, it's just really challenging. Do I have any um, 90s kids? You were born in the 90s. Anybody born in the 90s here? Okay, I got a couple. Anybody, okay, have you, has anybody ever seen the movie The Prince of Egypt? Y'all, we got some blessed people in the house of God. Okay, now let me, let me some of y'all like, okay, I'll wait for the movie, not the book. We're going to read out of the book and, I'll, and I'll, I'll reference the movie. So in the book, in the movie of Exodus, there is Moses. You know, Moses was called by God through a burning bush to go let my people go. Y'all seen the movie? Y'all remember? And uh, God says, I'll be with you. And then Moses says, oh, he's afraid, but God says, I'll be with you. And then Moses, God says this thing to Moses, and I think it's worth noting here. God says to Moses, um, what's in your hand, Moses? And Moses says, a staff. And see, God will never ask you for something you don't have. He'll ask you to start with what you do have. Now for Moses, it was a staff. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see David, he had a sling. Jehu was left-handed. Any left-handed people in here today? See, you would have been handicapped in the early first century because the whole world wasn't made for you. So everyone was right-handed. But there's a person in the scriptures who was left-handed and God used that to, to, to kill, a, to kill a, an evil king. I want to tell you today, start with what you have. I want to give you something. This will bless you. Does anybody in, any, anybody in here own a business? Any business owners? Anybody here hire people? Okay. Anybody here not going to raise their hand no matter what I say? Okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> uh, today I'm going to read 10 things that every single person in this room has. And if you start here with these 10 things, 
I'm telling you, it'll bless your business. It'll bless your work. You want to level those areas of your life up, your finances. You want to see those areas. Because today I want to walk out of here, seriously, not to just placate you, but to give you tools. Today I'm going to give you 10 things every person in this room has. Let's read these real quick. Let's throw them up. Being on time. (laughs) Work ethic. Efforts. Am I getting amens? Body language. Come on. Energy. Come on. Attitude. Passion. Being coachable. Doing extra. Being prepared. Come on. How many people in here think these would be qualities that could level up a business, your work life? How many people, you, you, you said you had a business. Would you hire this person? absolutely. So today, if you're thinking, oh, I don't got anything, you know, I just, I don't just don't have the opportunities. Listen, I'm telling you, every one of you has these things. You have the ability. God has given you breath today. Listen, I get tech. I got a text when I preached a sermon, like a couple months ago from somebody who said, Chris, I just literally got a promotion because I started applying those 10 things. I want to tell you, I'm here to help you today. We're moving on. We're moving on. I don't want to stay here all day. Come on, let's move on to the next point, Pastor Chris. Uh, Pastor Chris, here we go. Point number three. Oh, this is going to mess some people up. Here we go. The master didn't say when he's coming back. Now, he went for a long time, the scripture says. And I love that. I love Jesus. I just, I love Jesus so much. I love that when God said, I'm going to be coming back quickly. That was 1,990 years ago. (laughs) How many people know God's definition of quick is different than mine and yours? But what we do know is no one knows the time of his return. This is true. See, the master leaves. He comes back. Some were prepared. Some weren't. Now, listen, I've got three kids aged four and under. So I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. That means a lot of diapers. I need your prayers. Now, <laughs> how many people in here have, were parents? Parents, any parents in the house? Anybody? Okay, how many people here, like, ever seen a child? Ever seen a child? Okay, okay. How many people aren't raising their hand no matter what? Okay, there's always some. Um, now, I got three kids, and I picked up this bad parenting habit from my parents. I love my, I was raised by my grandparents. My mom had five kids from five different men, grew up in the backwoods of nowhere. And, uh, and my grandparents did this thing, and, it, and I picked it up. It's a bad habit. You know when your kid is doing something and you're trying to get them to stop? This is what I do. This is my bad habit. I look at my, I look at my son, probably usually my son because my daughter's a little angel baby. Here we go. I'll say, <laughs> uh, I'll look at him and I'll say, One. Two. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you know when they stop? Three. That's when they stop. But the issue with this parenting habit is you're teaching delayed obedience. And delayed obedience is disobedience. Not responding. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And what we're teaching our kids by doing that is we're teaching them that they don't have to listen the first time. That it's okay to wait to listen to your dad. But the, the primary issue with that is a lot of us have that in our relationship to God. And listen, God's not going to count to three for you. He's not going to say one, two. Listen, 
There is not a better time to give your life to God than right now. You are not promised any other day, any other moment than the current moment you are in. And if you're waiting for God to count to three for you, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but he isn't. You don't know the time you're going to have on this planet. You don't know the time you're going to have in this earth. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that because this is the truth from Scripture. This is God. He's not going to count to three waiting for you to get your life right. Stop playing games with God. Give God your life. Give God your service. Give God your time. Be found faithful with your time. Can I get an amen in the house today? See, I want to land on this. I want to nail down this point. Point number four, uh, nothing too small. I love this. Uh, I remember my first day as a youth pastor in Casa Grande. Has anybody here ever been to Casa Grande? Y'all driven through it? Okay. (laughs) Um, Some of y'all like, what were you doing in Casa Grande? I was a youth pastor there for two years. Before I moved to Arizona, I didn't even know what carne asada was. I moved to carne asada. I moved to Casa Grande. I found out about carne asada. And by the time my wife and I left, I was a mijo. My wife was a mija. Though I, I know it's in Menudo, y'all. Like, I loved growing up in Casa. I loved being in Casa Grande. I loved being there for the years we were. We fell in love with the Hispanic culture. Our whole youth ministry was Hispanic. We loved being in CG. But I remember my very first Sunday at that church. I walked into the bathroom of the church. We were meeting in a school. as a church of about 500. I was a youth pastor. And I walk into the bathroom. And I'm, this is a true story. I walk in the bathroom, walk in. And it was like the scene from uh, Daddy Daycare with Eddie Murphy. If you don't know the scene, let me explain it to you. Eddie Murphy opens the door or walks to the bathroom. A little child walks out of the bathroom. Eddie Murphy asks the child, he says, hey, how did it go in there? And the kid says, I missed. Eddie Murphy looks at the child and says, what do you mean? you missed. The child says, I missed. And Eddie Murphy says, oh, heck no. He walks in that bathroom, opens the door, looks at the floor. Ominous music starts playing. Urine all over the floor. Disgusted. Looks at the walls. Urine all over the walls. Then looks at the ceiling and urine all over the ceiling. Horrified. I walked in that bathroom in Casa Grande There was urine everywhere. There was so much. I wasn't even mad. I was impressed. I was like, how did this happen? I walk, as I'm walking out of the bathroom, I felt like God spoke to me. I felt like the Lord said, Chris, is this your church? I said, God, you know, I just got hired here. God says, Chris, is this your church? I said, yes, you know, I'm the youth pastor. And I feel like the Lord said, Chris, is that your bathroom? I said, yes, that is my bathroom. I feel like the Lord said, Chris, what would a first time guest think if they walked in that bathroom and saw it like that? And you know what I did? I went and grabbed some paper towels and for the glory of God, (laughs) I wiped the floor, I wiped the walls and I wiped the ceiling. And I came here to tell you, if you're an accountant, spreadsheet for the glory of God. (laughs) I came to tell you, if you're a plumber, plumb for the, oh, come on. If you're a mechanic, you got to work on that car for the, 
Oh, come on. If whatever you do, you do it for the Listen, you do not work for human people. You might get a wage from your work, but your work is your witness. That is how we tell people about Jesus. Through our work, through our effort, through being faithful with the small things. Listen, if you can be found faithful with little things, you can be found faithful with more. And for the person who is going to be found good and faithful, for the person that God is going to trust, you have to be trusted with small things, dirty things, insignificant things, things that seem like they're not important. And for the person that sees tasks as too small, my mentor used to say things to me like this. He'd say, Chris, if you're too small to serve, you're, or if you're, too big, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. The best preachers are always the best sweepers. And I'm telling you, today, wherever you work, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Can I get an amen here today? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. The scripture says, whatever. That means whatever you do, you work for God, not for people. Now, point number four, five, I'm, I'm getting rid of the whole three-point sermon, three sermon here today. Point number five is this. Um, your motives matter. Now, if you have a teenager, or if you've ever been around a teenager, you've ever asked a teenager to take out the trash. You ever asked a teenager to, to do the dishes? How many parents in here know it's not just that you did it, it's how you did it? Your motives matter because God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. He knows everything you think. He knows everything you do. It's not just that you did it. It's how you did it. And that's that Sunday when I cleaned that urine everywhere. I walked and I was cleaning for the glory of God. I, uh, I walked out of that bathroom and I felt like the Lord was, I felt like I did that for God. And I felt like God saw it. And so I knew that I didn't have to tell a single person ever. Because if you have to do your best work when people are watching or you have to do it so people notice you or recognize you, you're missing the point. Your motives matter. And it matters that you're doing it for God, not for accolades or for other attention. You work for God. Can I get an amen here today? We will all be held accountable for this life, every one of us. And, at the time, and, and it's not just with our money. It's with your time, your talent, and your treasure. God has trusted you with. God has trusted you with this life. He has trusted you with your breath. He's trusted you with your work. He's trusted you in this life. You, in order for us to see God move in our life, we have to be found good and faithful. Now, I'm going to invite the band back up here in a minute. We're going to land this plane. And, uh, but I want to tell you a quick story. Now, my mother-in-law is um, it's kind of like God in this in, in this instance, it's a funny sentence to say. Um, how many people, where are my, you know, mother-in-laws at in here? Mother-in-laws, mother-in-laws, okay, a few. Um, my mother-in-law's amazing. Basically, every single toy my kids have is from my mother-in-law. She's like, she just spoils my kids. My, my kids love their Grammy, and uh, they're obsessed with her. But she has this one thing she does that um, is kind of a red flag. It's kind of a big deal, but I'll, let me tell you about it. Wherever we go, my mother-in-law orders a steak. 
Now, how many people here like steak? I got some steak people in the house of God. I love a good steak. And you know, like, I love eating steak. Steak's great. Nothing wrong with steak. If you're at a steakhouse, order the? This makes sense. When you're at IHOP, you order the? Pancakes. <laughs> right? Okay, wherever we go, she orders the steak. If we showed up at McDonald's, she'd order the mixed steak. Which sounds like a mistake. But my, my mother-in-law orders the steak wherever we go. So here we are. Let me lay out the scene. We're all sitting at the table. We're at IHOP. Okay? IHOP. My mother-in-law orders the steak. So here's the waiter coming to the table slowly with the steak. And we got pancakes because we're at IHOP. Put the steak on the table. Now, it wouldn't be a big deal that my mother-in-law orders steak, except she's very particular on how it's cooked. Where are the people here who send food back? Y'all, there's any send the food back? Which I get when you pay a good money for a good steak, but when you go to IHOP for steak, the odds of that thing, okay, y'all, you guys are the ones that are stressing the rest of us out. Where are the people who aren't sending it back? Where the people ain't gonna send it back no matter how it comes, you're just gonna eat it, okay. Y'all my people. So, steak comes out, puts it on the table. We all know she's so particular. And there's this moment where she's gonna cut into that steak. And we, we start this chant. This is a true story. This is not made up. This is not preacher speak. Here we go. She's about to cut in that steak. Everyone at us starts pounding on the table. And we start saying, send it back, send it back. Send it back. Send it back. Because we know if that steak is not exactly how she ordered it, she's going to send it back. And I came here to tell you that God likes his steak well done. And if there is anything you do in this life with your time, talent, and treasure, I'm telling you, God is going to send it back. See, there's a scripture that says, people said, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And God says, I didn't even know you. Anything you do in this life, I'm telling you, all of your actions, motives, your life, your time, your talent and treasure, you have to live for these words, well done. Because that is how God wants you to live this life, this stake called life. We are living for well done. And when you live for well done, you live good and faithful. Man, when God can trust you with those small things, he can trust you with the big things. And this is in every area of your life. Would you stand with me? I want to read one more scripture and then we're going to sing this song. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I want to tell you, God's eyes are looking in this room right now. And his eyes are looking for someone who's going to be found good, faithful, live for well done, someone who's going to be loyal. He's looking for businesses.
to bless. He's looking for lives to bless. He's looking for marriages. He's looking for people who are going to be found good and faithful. I love that scripture because to me, God's eyes are looking. And in 2020, I didn't want to, I basically quit. Now, y'all remember the masks and 2020, y'all remember? I know we're in Arizona, um, but I remember it. And, uh, and I started a Zoom call for youth pastors because I really wanted to help youth pastors. And then this call had 20 youth pastors on it. And then I grew it all the way up to 75. And then I grew it all the way back down to 20. And I was like, man, is this even worth doing? It seems like it's pointless. And then what I was doing with this call is I was inviting the most influential youth pastors in the world on a Zoom call. And I was doing it for free, just inviting youth pastors on to help them. And then one day we had a speaker, no call, no show, and another one canceled that morning. So I canceled this youth pastor call, which I worked very hard on making happen. Then I, after that call was canceled, I said, God, I quit. I'm done. This is not worth my time, my effort, or my energy anymore. I'm done. So you know what I did? I took my talent and I buried it in the ground. I buried it. I said, God, I quit. And then I felt like the Lord said, Chris, would you do it for one youth pastor? I said, I wish I came to church today with lots of faith saying, yes, God, I would do it for one. I said, Lord, I don't know about the return on investment. And then I just, I thought about it and I said, okay, God, if you keep one youth pastor in their marriage and in their church, I'll do it. So I gave God my yes, an insignificant yes. It's a call to insignificant, small things. And that little call that got canceled three weeks later had over 750 youth pastors trying to get on Zoom. And God gave us a vision to inspire and equip 10,000 youth pastors to invest in men or 100,000 students to reach a million kids for Jesus. I came here to tell you today that we have over 10,000 youth pastors that we've helped inspire and equip students all around the world to reach those far from God, to come to church. I'm telling you today, I buried my talents. I put those things in the ground. I say, God, this is insignificant, unimportant. I'm done. And maybe you came here today and there's some things you buried some things you've quit some things you've said this is not important this isn't valuable this I can't invest my life into this anymore I came here to tell you I was this close to missing out on a miracle I was this close to missing out on that tremendous blessing from God today there are people here that God's eyes are looking for someone who's going to be found good and faithful. Can you close your eyes for a moment? Bow your heads in this place. I want to ask you today, I want to propose this thought. Actually, open your eyes one second. I want to say this to you before you close your eyes. Do you know what happens to buried things around Jesus? Resurrection. If you buried something, you buried your life, you buried your time, you buried your talents, I'm telling you, there's resurrection for you today because there was for me. And I saw God do a miracle. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Today you're here and you're saying, Chris, I buried some things in my life. I put those things in the ground. I quit. Maybe it's a relationship, your marriage, your kids, your work. Maybe you've done the quiet quit. It's where you 
quit your job, but you just keep showing up. (laughs) Today, maybe you've buried some things. I wanna pray with you, but could you just do me a favor? Could you just identify by raising your hand in this place? I wanna know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, all around this room, people, God is, God is moving in your hearts. He is stirring in this place. His eyes are looking for someone who's going to be found good and faithful. God, I thank you for every hand raised in this place. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are moving here. God, I pray that today you do what only you can do. You change our lives. God, I pray that you move today. And God, I pray over every single one of us that we'd be challenged to walk out of here and not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I pray you challenge us today to be found more good and faithful. I pray this in Jesus' name. All God's church said, amen. Let's worship together. Let's worship. It's running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my Sing of the goodness of God.